0: Welcome to Music Matters Podcast with Daryl Craig Harris, talking about all things music with celebrities, artists, music business insiders, and more. Music Matters Podcast with Daryl Craig Harris, and I have an awesome guest today, somebody that I've admired for many years, and uh, is a legendary rock and roll bass player, is Mr. Billy Sheehan. How are you doing, Billy?
1: I'm good, Daryl. How are you?
0: I'm good. You're in Nashville, right?
1: Yes, I am. We've been here for three years now and uh, we love it. It's just great. Really yeah, wonderful.
0: That's such a beautiful part of the world. I love it down there. Plus, it's all music, of course, too, which is. It's
1: Music City. They're calling it the new LA. They're, my wife's a real <laughs> estate agent. She must have. Um, there's so many people calling from California. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> I can imagine,
0: especially these days. but.
1: <laughs> Yeah, sorry but, to say, I love L.A. and I love California.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm actually a Huntington Beach guy myself. I I mean, I miss that. I live in Vegas yeah. now, of course, but uh I'm not. Yeah, I I'm miss not it, but,
1: So, far. but unfortunately, it was it was just kind of getting dangerous for us to be there. Uh, my sure. wife, you know, poor, and she's home alone. So yeah, it's, it's tough. Uh, I feel for those people back there. I, I hope it gets straightened out.
0: Yeah, I hope so too. So actually talking about that, so obviously it's been a, a super crazy year. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. How's it, I mean, you're probably not used to being home this much, right?
1: I think it's the longest I've been home since the 70s. Yeah,
0: I know. It'll actually be too. Like it's, it's weird. I'm just, especially the summertime, I'm like itching to go out and do stuff. Um,
1: but the good thing about it is no airports. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I fly so much. You know, people that don't fly a lot, it's, you know, exciting and it's new and it's cool, but you, you got to do it every, every day. It's uh, it's just awful. Yeah.
0: So, while well, flying with, well, I don't know. Do you fly a ba- with a base or do you usually have your steps on the road? I usually
1: carry one with me, but that oh, okay. also does lead to some problems sometimes. Yeah. I was fortunate. Uh, a wonderful gentleman who worked for United Airlines was kind enough to give me a special status so I could get my base on board no matter oh, awesome. what. And yeah. uh, they are really uh, thankful to United Airlines. Uh, I good. know that's
0: always a you know, that's a stressful thing, right? And sometimes you get on the puddle Ooh. jumpers. It's just not going to fit. <laughs>
1: so. I, was, I was standing in line at uh, Heathrow Airport, right? No, sorry. It was an airport in Spain Okay. and uh, ready to board. And they two people came over to me in uniform, uh, the, the airline uh, people. And I had flown there with my base and done my thing and done other flights with my base. And I'm standing to get on the flight. They took the little velvet rope, opened up and said, sir could, you, sir, could you step up? You're not uh, getting on a plane. We've removed your luggage. Oh, um, wow. Could, could you maybe have told me?
0: Yeah, right. What's up with that?
1: So it just basically said <laughs> GTFO. I know. Yeah, and I know. That's
0: the thing because you never know, right? <laughs>
1: wow. Fortunately, some wonderful people in Spain there were kind enough to help me out. And I
0: got. Yeah. Playing. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, the flying thing is uh, people, it's, it's, they think of the glamorous life of a musician, and it's like the stage part's the easy part, right? It's all the other stuff. Oh, that,
1: that's, <laughs> all, that's all they live for. That, those two hours on stage makes everything else uh, kind of fade away, but everything else is rough. And yeah. I, know, I remember going out on tour. We brought a new guy out with us. We just, well, I, I it would be great to be out and be a, like a crew guy for the band. A, right. With, within about a month. God, I'm going to be a roadie. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the fetal position, literally yeah. crying for his mommy. I yeah. Mean, he, I, was, he was, uh,
0: You know what, man? Those, I mean, I've done that. I've done backline for a bunch of people. I worked at JLo and Miley and, and people don't realize what, I mean, like, again, like the musician thing, they think, like, oh, you do the gig, you go back. But like the crew guys, that's a 24 hour job when you're on the road,
1: right? Oh, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, well, you know, it's uh, very satisfying. You know, those, uh, those two hours that you're on stage, it's, uh, yeah. there's nothing like it in the world. And I always urge people, you know, to play and perform, uh, no matter in whatever capacity.
0: Yeah, whatever your passion is, right?
1: Yeah, it's a great, great thing. Yeah. So,
0: well, so what, do you, what have you been focusing on since you've been home so much? Are you been recording? What have you been up to?
1: Lots of recording. We're uh, we're up to about a hundred songs now. Wow. We've done for clients. I started a little production team myself. Uh, Ray Lugier on drums from Cornwall. Oh, right. Your dear, dear friend of mine lives here in Franklin. Killer, yeah, and killer scott bush he's a guitar player but he's also a pro tools expert and a great mixer so awesome we just whip tracks out for people all over the world we've done yeah. it for people in poland and uh, belarus and russia and china and taiwan and yeah the,
0: the world's America. changed for that right <laughs> it's like it's, it's now it's a global thing it's interesting
1: so we've done tracks for people all over the place and uh it's been cool uh because I've, I've never really been a studio guy when i play in the studio i go in and play the songs of the band I'm in Sure, we rehearse, get out, and then we go on tour and and perform them. So to sit around and try to figure things out and do different tones and- Have the time to do that, right? (laughs) So so now we, uh, I even played on a couple of uh, country tracks. Don't hold it against me. No, it's all good. I'm not a country guy, (laughs) but But when I do it, I wanted to make sure and do it like they wanted because we really want people to be pleased when we, perform on their on their record. Right. So wh- one of my bases in particular is the bass I used on the Mr. Big song Wild World, our cover of Wild World. Okay. And for some reason it sounds either like a fretless or like a stand-up bass. More oh, like wow. a stand-up than anything else. Right. So I'm playing it on these country tracks and people are hearing it going, "Is that a stand-up bass?" <laughs> I didn't know Billy really, play double bass. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. So cool. it's it pretty cool. So, uh you know, it's big big fat whole new notes in time just implying a couple of things, a few little, subtle, slight moves, yeah. and that's what the style calls for. And, and it worked out just fine, and they were very pleased with it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, the thing about about your playing is that you have a very distinctive
1: style. How, how did you develop that? I mean, because people know when they when they hear you. I talk with their people right. there, and they said, uh, well, it just came from playing uh, songs in, in bars for decades. Right. Uh, song and, to song to song. Up.
0: Up in Buffalo, and that.
1: Yeah, we started basically in the Buffalo area, and then we spread out to any any place within a twelve hour drive. Right. We could do from Buffalo, New York, which included a lot of the East Coast, in Boston, yeah. New, York, New York City, Pittsburgh, Chicago, uh, all over the place, Montreal, Toronto, all sure. kinds of places, we played in all over the place. But just playing. Because when you play a song and perform it live, you have to do some justice to it. So you gotta be able to play that genre at least, convincing, right, to some degree. And so, and we played a little of everything. Uh, the the list. I'd like to do a list of the songs I've performed. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a long list. <laughs> we did Three Dog Night, Grand Funk Railroad, sure. Bebop yeah. Deluxe, King Crimson, Kansas, wow. everything by the Beatles and the Stones and Hendrix and Trower and. Yeah, everything so yeah once in a while i remember we did danny's song right by loggins of messina or by kenny loggins sure just a little acoustic uh song uh well, you could call it countrified but we just did a you know a, a nice version of it as a slow song in the set sure. and you have to play it so it sounds you can't yeah, it's, be, got,
0: it's got to be in the genre right yeah you
1: can't <laughs> do it so um so it was a great lesson to learn that you, you know, and, and at the time I wasn't learning it and I, it necessarily. It was just kind of absorbing into me. I wasn't paying attention to what was going on. And I never thought about developing a style. Right. Uh, I, just, I just had to play songs and get them right and hear what notes I was doing.
0: And there and was that, a lot of, there was a lot of great, I mean, in that Buffalo area, we, we have some mutual friends from Buffalo that I've played with, but yeah. that area, like there's a lot of great players, right? You have the guys, Spyber, Driver guys. There's just like a long list oh, of yeah, great players.
1: Yeah. Ted Reinhart was the drummer, their first drummer, I believe. And he, I went to high school with Ted. Right. He's quite a famous drummer in the Buffalo area. And we were in our first band together right out of high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, uh, he was, he was just a great player. There's a lot of great players in all of these North, Eastern kind of Great Lakes cities, because all of them were much more important cities than they seem to be now. Right. I mean Buffalo sure. was a huge, uh, important city mm-hmm. uh, because of the Erie Canal. That's right. how all the goods, you couldn't go over Niagara Falls, so you had to stop, get, on, get in the Erie Canal and take your goods down to New York City, yeah. and for a long time, Buffalo was one of the most important cities uh, uh, in, in the country, long, long, long ago.
0: Well, like you said, too, like there's a lot of in that within like a 10 or 12 hour drive, there's like yeah. major, I mean, you got New York, Boston, all those places. And that kind of breeds, I think that those concentration of great players breeds competition. It breeds, it kind of pushes right. you,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. Because cause it was uh, generally things were friendly back in Buffalo back in the day, but it was competitive. And uh-huh. then as 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 the pie got a little smaller, it got cutthroat and got a little ugly, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well what can you do? Uh, musician. So was that
0: when you were doing those clubs, was that was that with Talus, or was that even before Talos?
1: Well that was all Talos. We started in about seventy one or two, the oh, original okay. lineup with a guy named Mike Piccolo on drums. Cool. Then it changed to to the second version, then a third, then a fourth, then the 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 version that recorded sink your teeth into that was the fifth version then that stopped and i was out of the band for about a year right and then we got back to the to the fifth version again <laughs> then that version turned into version 2 which was actually the ninth iteration wow and then we changed guitar players again so yeah It's
0: tough, you know, that that doing that kind of club thing and you're on the road and all that. It's tough. It takes a toll on people, right? Like, it's hard. It's rare that you see bands in that situation stay together for years. It seems like it's rare.
1: Well, it can be. But I know now a lot of people talk about how tough the road is. And we just mentioned it before. But once I get in my groove, I, I could, if I'm on a proper bus right exactly <laughs> uh, i could go for i could go for years
0: yeah and that's i mean plus you got your buds around you your family on the road and, and it's like that's your comfort yeah. zone right
1: There's privacy and especially yeah. the european buses get these double-decker german sure. buses and they're just perfect and pristine and yeah. driving through the swiss alps and looking at the oh it's fantastic so, yeah i know it's so gorgeous it's so, how did, like, um i'm at a situation now where where i when i tour it's it's not in a van.
0: Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> it's a better situation. Uh, so I, you know, I, the Van Halen situation. Like I know you guys opened for Van Halen, right? You did like thirty days with Talis, I think. Is that how the David Lee Roth thing sort of came about, or how did that happen?
1: Yeah, yeah that's how they kind of found out about me. Uh, uh, I remember the first date of that tour on October third, nineteen eighty. We were in the dressing room. Uh, we didn't really get a sound check, but we were able to get a line check to go up and make sure everything worked. Sure. sometimes you don't even get that. Yeah, you, you don't know right up there and just start and you go in there and it can be it's called a throw and go just toss it sure. up and hope, hope that everything works. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but they were kind enough to because you can do a line check quick, just make sure everything's you know coming through the PA and then we went and they were, they were already sound checked and gone. right? Well so I'm in the dressing room and it's kind of an L-shaped room and I'm facing the guys in my band and the hallway to come in is to my right. And they can't see who's coming in right and the door opened and i looked over and it was ed van halen i never met him
0: wow and he was like he's how old was he then he was in his early 20s probably right?
1: 1980 i don't know Did yeah i don't know either <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah uh and the first thing he said is which one of you guys is billy sheehan <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny <laughs> me, I am. me that's yeah, me i score so oh, he awesome. must, i think you may have heard about me from denny Carmassi, okay who i played with uh with michael shanker in 79 we worked on michael shanker's first solo record
0: right then gotcha.
1: he was in montrose oh, okay rock candy drummer yep then yep. he went on to play in heart later on a great guy and a great awesome drummer he got more gigs from the opening beat of of uh uh montrose uh uh rock candy right yeah well that's a big that's secret, <guys>. Rome sounded so amazing. So sure. it, maybe Denny may have told him about okay, it. Okay, cool. But we became uh, acquaintances and uh, hung out, and they were very kind to us. And at the end of that tour, Ed uh, initiated for me to get in touch with him, and then things happened uh, after that. I didn't really talk too yeah. much to Dave initially, but then, then we, we we did have, have a, a couple of moments where we...
0: Yeah. How, how was it? So how did that happen? Did you just get a phone call from Dave's management when he when he left Van Halen, or how how did that take place?
1: Nobody knew anything about what was going on with Van Halen. We got sure. a call, and it was uh, Dave wanted to speak with me about being in his movie.
0: Oh, okay, interesting. <laughs> what? Uh, interesting.
1: And so I just happened to be going out to LA to start the tour with Ingbe. Oh, okay, that was tour. Right, right. So I had a day off, so I they drove me out to Dave's house. And sure enough, he said, uh, "There is a movie, but <laughs> that's a cover story because I didn't want anyone to know." I, sure, yeah. I was... I quit Van Halen. I go, "Wow, holy yeah. shit!" So cheaper. So then he said, uh, "How about if we you and me, let's put a band together? We'll find a guitar player, we'll find a drummer, and we'll go out." I said, "Well, I I didn't say this to him, but in my mind, you know, there's no band. I wouldn't leave Talis for any other band right. except for Van Halen." Yeah, and then I said. <laughs> Close enough.
0: Yeah, right. I mean that, and that's. I mean, at that point, they're on top of the world, too, right? Like they're. I mean,
1: they were the biggest band in the world. They just finished before yeah. and it's the summer of '85.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, um. And then also, so did you? How did that come about with getting Greg and, and Steve? Did is that calls that you guys made? Did you do auditions, or how did that happen?
1: No, uh, Steve Stevens was the original guy Dave was looking at, and Steve oh, was okay. a great, great player and right. awesome but he was uh, at, at a commitment with, with Billy Idol. So mm-hmm. uh, I told Dave, I know another Steve, because yeah. Steve and I were on the same label, Relativity, out of New York City. Okay. And, uh, I had gotten his uh, uh, a flexible uh, record from them, and then they okay. talked about maybe me and Steve doing something together. So I would actually communicated a little bit. I'm not sure if we communicated directly or not, regarding Steve about maybe playing together. Wow. So when I saw him in LA after I was already there, and people were wondering, "Well, what are you doing in LA? Why aren't you home in in Buffalo?" So, oh, nothing. Good stuff. <laughs> it was it was a state secret. We couldn't tell anybody anything.
0: Yeah, and I love. I mean, I, I mean, obviously, Steve's like an amazing player, but also Greg. I mean, I love Greg such a great player.
1: Yeah, well, uh, well, I, and I, I remember I said to Steve, "There's a." Something I can't tell you about right now, but there might be something you might be interested in. And he goes, I think I know what you mean, so maybe he had a hit about it. Oh, so ah, sure. okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah. I told Dave, and Ted Templeman was very uh, into Steve, also, so that mm-hmm. worked out great. Then Dave gave Steve and I the task: go out into the wilderness and bring back a drummer. So we <laughs> we uh, we hired SIR rehearsal, me and Steve, and and Dave's secretary Karen, and we booked about forty drummers to come in. There was a line down the street of drummers, you know, to come in. Right. And uh, Greg walked in, and the moment he walked in, we knew he was the guy before he even played.
0: Yeah, he's a sweet dude, too, right?
1: Just, 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 he just had it. And Steve and I looked at each other, and we know, and he, sure enough, we gave him, I think we gave him a tape of the songs we were working on. Uh, because we had actually used a drummer that played with Steve to do some demos, a guy named Chris Frazier, who was an, also an amazing drummer. Uh, so, uh dave was for some reason wanted somebody else and uh so we came in with greg he knew every song exactly <laughs> before yeah. we before the first snare drum hit right so he had it together completely and uh
0: yeah he's he a north Te- north texas guy yeah yeah
1: he's one of my favorite human beings in the in the world uh, yeah
0: and his brother matt well matt's now playing with like, with elton right i think
1: Yeah, elton john's bass player not bad
0: yeah right yeah they were both those guys I saw them I saw them when I was in high school they were playing doing the jazz festivals I think it was with Maynard if I'm correct but
1: could be yeah. I think he played with Maynard Ferguson
0: yeah yeah it was just badass um, that, well that record came out so like that's when I first actually became aware of you because you were starting to be on the cover of Bass Player magazine and and I I didn't I wasn't really familiar with Talis at that point but when I heard that record I was like holy hell who are these guys <laughs> and you know even Steve I, I kind of knew his name a little bit but that that you know Edom and Smile I guess it was just killer, killer, killer. How did that come about? Did you guys write together? Or?
1: Yeah, we uh, got together in the basement, and we'd be fooling around with an idea. And David say, come downstairs and go, well, that's cool. That sounds like a verse. Now make a chorus up. Like, OK, now give me a bridge and two yeah. more choruses. And then he'd uh, record it on his cassette recorder, go out and uh, write lyrics or get an idea to it, drive around. A, he'd have a, his buddy drive around on a convertible while he sat there and wrote. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and they uh, really uh, uh, kind of uh, engineered the whole thing and a lot of other things he, that I don't know if he got credit for, but should have. When we started the live show on tour, you know, I, I go up and do my solo, Steve, do his solo. And, and but they've you know, about three or four shows in. Dave goes, it's not good enough. It's not entertaining. You wow, know, so, really? yeah, it's really good. But uh, yeah. it's just there's he, was, he
0: was a master showman. I mean, whatever yeah, you think yeah. of him. I mean, he, he knows that man, for sure.
1: And uh, so he said, "So let's do this. Let's make it like a battle. Uh, Steve, you start playing. Billy, you run over, push him aside, and take over. And then he pushes you, and then you run." And basically, it was his, whole, his idea completely. So from that, I, there must be a, a hundreds of bands that took that idea and turned it into their thing. Sure. And I'll see these these bands from some other country doing their doing the show in in, in Japan. <laughs> they got the The guitar player running up to the bass player, and the bass player running to the guitar. Like, wait, that looks familiar. You know, that kind of uh, it's been it's been uh, Dave's Dave planted that seed. So,
0: yeah. So did you? I mean, that was. I guess it would have been a life changing gig for you, right? It just really it, it kind of ramped exactly. things up career wise. Yeah, yeah. And that's so. How how long was that? I guess that was like two years with Dave, right?
1: How long was... How,
0: how long did the... Uh, the, the right? Well, you guys toured. How long was the tour initially? Was that like a year-long tour or...
1: Yeah, we just toured U.S. and Canada. We didn't go overseas at all.
0: Oh, really? Interesting.
1: No. Uh, so we started in, uh, I don't know, the summer of 86. Interesting. Went into the winter of 87, I mm. believe.
0: Okay. And then you... Um, and he, and then with
1: it's the good thing about that is somebody has that written down somewhere so
0: <laughs> exactly uh, and then mr. Big how did that come about
1: well I love Dave and wanted to start my own band and uh, I uh, wanted to put some great players together I wanted it to be a vocal band Talos was a vocal band because yeah,
0: you because you sang in Talus too right you guys traded vocals.
1: Yeah, we all sang. It was a lot of three part harmony, but but Crosby, right. Stills and Nash and Three Dog Night and all that stuff. That was all. Awesome. Yeah, when you see Mister Big now doing "It's for You," the Three Dog Night song, that was a Talis song. Ah, we okay. played played that back in Talos. Same thing with all the uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash song. We did "Carry On"
0: mm-hmm. in Japan,
1: the full Crosby, Stills and Nash song. That was we did that in Talos also. That was kind of a a thing for for TALIS was a vocal band, so I wanted to have that. So right. I. Uh, i uh, i also wanted to have some some you know some great players uh, i knew about paul he was a, a Talis fan he uh, he was i think he was a, attended my very first clinic i ever did oh okay Fine. and we used to play in pittsburgh and he'd be in the front of the stage watching the band and stuff he's just a little kid still right and uh so i knew i knew him and i knew he was a great player and then i knew pat torpe also i'd seen him around I had some mutual friends and then uh, we i found eric uh to do the vocals and. Uh, we got lucky because we got an amazing manager from the beginning a guy named Herbie herbert
0: oh, okay.
1: he one of the founding fathers of the music business so that was he was really the key to a lot of our success right and yeah i mean we that's went on. We, we did a record and uh, we uh we used kevin elson as a producer okay not keith olson every time we say kevin yeah, elson, keith
0: like, yeah keith keith no, from, no, kevin i remember keith Al- from sound, sound city you mean, yeah. you mean
1: keith olson no it's kevin elson <laughs> Keith Olson. No, it's Kevin Olson. So Fun. he's he's worked with Keith Olson. And I said, Well, you know, <laughs> give up after a while. Right. But so Kevin was a just a genius producer, one of the best live mixes in the world. He mixed the Michael Jackson Bad Tour. Wow. He mixed all journey, always right. everywhere. And uh he was just a genius guy and a wonderful man. And he actually came out on the road and did our front house sound too. So
0: wow, we, we
1: had a re- some great, great uh, pluses in our column uh, from the very beginning. That was a big help to us. So we went on uh, first record did. Okay. Good, but not great. And then the second record came out and we had a hit.
0: Yeah. So that must've been like a rocket ship. Cause that was a big song.
1: Oh, it was, it was number one in 14 countries. Right. To this day, I get, two or three emails and messages of people from you know bangladesh yeah Sri lanka or the philippines or ecuador or finland or belarus all those places <laughs> you know the thing
0: the thing about it is a song like that with like you said with the vocals and tied in with the video because the video was great too right
1: and that was yeah, really the video amazing. was was kind of well actually it's an afterthought because this thing is going up the charts and somebody go well, we, we better do a video. <laughs> who, who do we know that can do a video? So we managed right. to get somebody from the label, found somebody, and they just slapped it together quick. But it was, like many things, if you don't think it through so much, it's usually pretty good. Yeah, sometimes you overthink it, right? <laughs> Same with a musician. If you think, you stink. If right. you think about it, you're stinking about it. Yeah,
0: sometimes you, you have it. to get you have to get out of your own way, right?
1: Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> So, so Nancy Bennett, Nancy Bennett was the woman who put that uh wonderful great videographer and dear, dear, uh, sweet woman as well. Yeah. A great, great friend. She put that together, made it happen, and, and number one MTV. So yeah,
0: I mean that was that was definitely like the MTV era big time in that time zone, right? Yeah. The visuals are important. So let, let's talk about because you're holding your base. So let's talk about that base. So you have your original talus base, which a lot of people are familiar with. Yeah, that's
1: it's on the wall right there. Nice. Very there she nice. Is. That's yeah. the way. Next to her is her sister. And next to that is the thirty year anniversary uh, Yamaha. Right. Tribute. That's
0: that's exactly where I'm going. <laughs> so but tell me how, how did the Yamaha thing first come
1: about? Well, I in uh, winter of eighty four. I think uh, I came out to uh I may have come out for the NAM show. Okay. Oh no, I came out, sorry. I came, we came out in December of 84 to play a show at the Country Club with Talis. because we're getting, you know, getting to a point where we you know, had a bunch of label interests and we almost got signed, I almost got signed again. And so, so we're doing a showcase out in LA at the Country Club. So we band flew out, crew drove the gear out and I had a day out there and Yamaha contacted me. They saw me in the 1983s uh, in the spotlight of new on uh, new talent column by Mike Barney. Right, tried- yeah. And i played mike mike is
0: a legendary guy he's he's responsible for a lot of people getting
1: if a lot you, of, he is one of my dearest friends yeah he, he, he lives is, out here he <laughs> is hilarious God. Yeah, i gotta get i got i know he's up late all the time and i i gotta i gotta give up, i get up super early so well i'm gonna call him when i get up early yeah time he's a
0: good we see him back. around vegas actually he's a good guy oh, he's
1: the best i love mike he's been done he found eric martin for me and, yep. and uh he's just just a, just a great great guy. So anyway, we were out there, and Yamaha contacted me and said, "You know, we, we'd like to talk with you about maybe making a bass for you." And I said, "Well, I got my P bass, but I knew the P bass's days were numbered because it right. was beat, senseless, and all the new Fenders at that time weren't up to speed. The nice. Fender's great now; Fender's as good as it ever was. But yeah. now, but during a short amount of time there, during the uh, mid '80s, yeah, quality was not not good. Uh, so." Uh, I had seen a Yamaha base and I just marveled at how awesome it was put together because I've done a little bit of woodworking myself. So I can oh, okay. what, what what's, what's right and what's wrong. To some right.
0: Sure. And you're experienced, you know what you like. So,
1: yeah. So I went out, uh, they, a friend of mine drove me down to Orange County where the Yamaha headquarters is. And I talked with their people right. there and they said, uh, you know, we'd, we'd like to maybe do a base and, you know, make your. Thanks. Like, okay let, let's go and i had already actually pardon me one second it's okay i had already had a, a deal with kramer oh okay because that van handled with kramer and everybody and they, they contacted Bye. me and said would i like to endorse the kramer base? yeah I and mean, they
0: were really big in that mid-80s thing for sure too
1: yeah so i got the kramer base uh and it was okay uh but there was something some things about it that just didn't sit right and i didn't know why so i yeah. went down there to the kramer factory and i watched them putting them together and i said no way yeah i can do this." they it was just just really uh a lot of big mistakes were being made and uh, mm-hmm. they were they were so hot they were just churning guitars out because they were selling so and, yeah. so and uh so i said and they had already sent me a bunch of bases and i and i was poor As poor could be driving my 77 ford pinto living in a an apartment (laughs) with three other guys sharing a rent right and and at that time for me to send all that gear back to them indicated that there's no way I, i i could i could uh in good conscience, endorse this, this. Program. Right.
0: I mean, that's the thing, because you get, you get, if you get, I mean, not everybody gets free instruments, but if you do, you know, you want to like them because you're, you're doing the deal, but then yeah. if, you, you just, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Right.
1: Yeah. I, I just couldn't do it. And, uh, so, uh, Yamaha began then after that meeting that I just mentioned to work on one of their BB series modified for me. Oh, okay. And, and, and then, uh, it was okay. And I used it on, uh, I use it on skyscraper. I use it on a couple other things. Use it on the Edum Smile tour for the encore song. Right. It's it's right now at Yamaha being refurbished, uh, but uh, it it, just, it had a wider body, so it just you know I was used to the same bass on me for 20 years.
0: Yeah, and it's a it, very it, different it, neck from a, from a precision, right? It's, it's yeah, not, but it, not it was not a great bass. It. But it just oh, yeah. didn't.
1: you And if I played only standing up, it would have been might have been fine, but but uh, so. Uh, they started another one called the rbx but it was designed right. re- initially for domestic japan so it was small because mm-hmm. people generally are shorter and smaller in japan sure. on average so uh it was kind of and they tried to put a fat neck on it so it looked ungainly and kind of odd i have a double neck version of it which is also getting refurbished right now which is nice yeah but then we then we went uh a guy named rich lasner worked for yamaha as a designer for a while and he also, he's designed a lot of great iconic guitars for uh, for uh, many companies, uh, artist series, and he he came up with the basis of this. Okay. And, and then we worked from there. And,
0: yeah, because it's a process, right? Trying to get everything right and getting getting the right size, the right feel. Yeah. Like. yeah.
1: Well, Yamaha is an amazing company. They managed to, I remember the first version that came out, the first prototype, I was in Japan. Oh, and okay. I said, here's the real test. Can I just put it on and go up on stage and play it? Right. Without anything. And I did. And uh, I thought that was impossible because I got to micro tweak every little aspect of every base. Yeah, it was great. It played great, sounded great. And,
0: yeah, uh, I love it, you know, because I was in uh, Tokyo with uh, Cirque, Cirque du Soleil for four years. And I had a, that's good right. rest, that's right. yeah, a good relationship with the Yamaha art guys, which is our artist relations team there. And like, they're all about making it right. Like their attention yeah. to detail. And, you know, and I guess it's Hamamatsu, right? Is where the, the custom.
1: Hamamatsu is a city, yeah. Right. And they uh, they have a they have a, a couple offices in the Tokyo area too. but
0: Yeah, that's Shibuya. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's a good. You know, the company is great, and the thing about Yamaha too is they have the power and they have the the resources for the for the ads and for the. And I think that's really kind of also brought, you know, a lot um, to to what you do because it really helps spread the word, right? Um, yeah,
1: it's uh, it's nice to be with a big company. It's the same as a record uh, label. Right. When you're with a huge label; they got the power to do stuff, but. You it's hard, be, it's right. hard to turn. You got this giant ship in the water that you got to turn, and it takes a long time for it to make that turn. Where a little label can do all kinds of things real quick and right, but they don't have that kind of a, so a trade off. It's a trade off. Yeah, Six of okay. one, half dozen of the other. And then, They've been great, and they do have a lot of uh, personnel here in the USA now that are in yeah, charge yeah. of a lot of things. Where before it was always Japan centric, mm-hmm. which was great, but it took a long time. So yeah, they, they got
0: the Yamaha guitars up. and Burbank and all that. Right.
1: Well, actually, they're in uh, out in uh, Thousand Cal- Oaks now. Oh,
0: in, right, Calabasas. Yeah, um,
1: where, uh, because they bought line six and line six is there too. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's always that's funny because actually, it's always in the asshole. now. They have uh, Ampeg too, I think. So it's like they're always, yeah, kind of but
1: it's, it's a nice group of uh gear the line six stuff i love yeah you know, cool. of course i love and the Ampeg. well i don't use it anymore but right. certainly as a, as a as a place in my heart
0: yeah it's a classic um so also you have a had a long standing relationship with uh dimarzio and yeah. you just designed a new pickup right a new version um tell exactly. us a little bit about, about that
1: oh it's uh exploded too it's uh people have been going crazy for it i'm really pleased and uh had several conversations with Larry DeMarzi about it. You know, they're they're really doing great, and I'm I'm glad to see a couple of other players that like have an. If you have the fender cutout, which is that shape, the, that,
0: right, that, the traditional, yeah,
1: it's, it's pretty standard. And any company that makes replacement pickups for bass, they'd make it in that configuration. Right. So I've had people write to me that you have all kinds of different bases that have put them in and love it. Yeah, so basically, um, this is one of my versions of it from years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, the pickup is rounded and the little things that hold the screw are, da- are lower. So that screw isn't yeah. in your way.
0: It's more player friendly, <laughs>
1: yeah, way more player friendly. So I, I, gave that idea to, uh, Larry and he ran with it, and did a couple of unique things that were his idea. Hmm. The whole of the pickup is now in a shell of nickel, oh. which, which is non-magnetic through with magnet uh, magnetic uh, pull, but it shields the pickup completely. Right, so, so it's super no, quiet, yeah. There's no interference and in noise at all, it's incredible. And the pickup is actually built on a little circuit board.
0: Oh, interesting! <laughs> and, yeah, uh, I've seen, I've been seeing a lot. I mean, they're doing a great job promoting that, and, uh, yeah,
1: it's been great. And I'm getting uh, constant emails of people that have not put them in and love them. Awesome, One bass player friend of mine, he said, Every time he plays, the engineer you know gets on the talk back and goes, "What? What kind of bass you got there? What, yeah. what the heck is it? got a big up with that, you know, it yeah. here,
0: you know? I know. and it's funny because I've had all sorts of different bases, you know, over the years and all the fancy stuff and electronics. And I actually, I always go towards this P bass, that sound recording yeah. wise.
1: Yeah, for you me, know? it's one less thing to worry about, too. You can go bananas and put, you know, pack this thing with all kinds of electronics and, right. and wiring. And, but this just the basic wire wrapped around a magnet. Yep. With volume control. Amp. Yep. Leo, Leo, Leo
0: knew what he was doing.
1: <laughs> he did. He did.
0: It, it stood up well. So now, now you have the 30th anniversary, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it sold out. Wow. Yeah, they sold out everywhere. There was uh, only 30 of them, though. So it,
0: oh, okay. They made 100,000.
1: Sold out. To, we, you know, <laughs> that'd be nice. But uh, but they wanted to do a limited version because they wanted to really fine tune the uh, uh, oversee the quality control really right. tight. They wanted it to be a very special thing and not just churn them out. Yes, yeah. so, they're, so they're all righteous. They are very yeah. righteous. And I'm seeing on my Facebook, I got number four. I got number 20. I got, you know, <laughs> people that have gotten them around the world. And I'm very, very thankful for that. That's uh, awesome. It's, it's, it, thing plays great. I've used it on stage live a couple of times already.
0: Oh, great. When, just, when were those When were those released? It was pretty, pretty recently, right? A couple months ago. Okay. Wow.
1: Yeah. They're gone. So I, I only had that. The only one I have is the prototype. I don't, oh. I don't even have one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so,
0: you know, you know what's great about what's great about Yamaha is, and I have, I, you know, I was a Yamaha guy for a very long time, um, and even their less less expensive bases, everything's solid. They all play oh, I, well.
1: Re- yeah, uh, uh, my engineer has a two hundred dollar Yamaha acoustic. Yep. People come over with all these amazing acoustics to record. Yep. And uh, an incredible name value, very expensive guitars. They go try the try the Yamaha yeah <laughs> let's use that
0: let's yeah use that. they just I it's something about the you know the the culture in japan like they they just really they work really hard to make it right yeah uh, and that's something i really i miss actually not living there because it's just a different it's a different world it, it's a challenging world but i know you guys have always been like mr big was gigantic in japan right um and you as that i guess that's probably a country you love going to i would imagine
1: well well japan is a lot of great memories we i've been there over 65 times now wow. flown to japan doing tours and promotion playing yeah. with other people there and stuff like that so i've gotten to know the people and the culture and the country very very well and it's an amazing experience especially as an american of my age because we grew up we're the post-world war ii generation right. and all we saw were movies about you know yep. killing germans and killing japanese people and to know germany now and the friends i have there now yeah exactly and the wonderful people uh it, it was really enlightening and the same with japan mm-hmm. uh, just to go there and sweet polite incredible people yep. i don't know what the heck happened way back then when both cultures got hijacked by yeah, evil
0: it but, happens uh, yeah.
1: but it does sadly but now uh, i just love japan uh, and have so many friends there same with germany too it's, it's
0: and you place. also do i mean you do a lot of clinics is that did you enjoy doing those
1: very much yeah. it, it, i learn more from them than the attendees usually interesting okay. a lot of times people ask me a question so how do you do and i go yeah. i mean think about it <laughs> see how i do that <laughs> well, yeah i had no idea yeah because I, I, I we were talking before about thinking and i i don't really and that's why a you asked a question about how I develop my style, and it relates also that you don't really think it through. These things kind of just happen. Right. So when you're playing right. and this thing happens, okay, and you don't really set, spend time dissecting, well, well, the reason why I work is because this minor diminished yeah. went into the eye.
0: That's, that's something that people ask me about, like, how do you do teaching? I'm like, I like to teach, but I actually more view it as coaching because I don't think exactly. of things, like you said, I don't think, like, I'm going to play a mixolydian here.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then I think musicians that do that, no offense, but I think you, it's like when you're speaking and when you're talking to someone and sometimes they are not listening to you. They're just thinking of what they're going to say next. Exactly. So not. It's not really a two-way communication.
0: That's the interview thing. Exactly.
1: <laughs> So, so uh, uh, for you to be playing, you it's it's got to be analogous to communicating Mm -hmm. to another person, because you are as a group of people. You got to be in the moment. But yeah, but you're communicating, you're communicating back and forth. If you're thinking about what you're going to say instead of just speaking, when you see someone that speaks from a teleprompter, and they do it, and sometimes they can do it really great, and it seems like they're really saying it but you right. found out later, no, they were reading the whole thing. They yeah, just not, yeah. yeah they it's just different. it. They just put in a couple of ums and ahs to make it sound real. But then <laughs> when you see somebody that's just speaking, even though it may not be as articulate and grammatically perfect, it touches you more. Right. So in the same way, I don't know music theory or or, or uh, I can't read music. I don't know what a lot of things, I know some things, but I-, right. I Mostly, I don't. Yeah, I know how to play it, but I don't know how to explain it because, uh, you know, but, uh, it's a. Uh, so I think that's a, that's a very important point that a lot of young players miss is they're thinking it through and they're thinking about it. And they're trying to how do I develop a style? Right, you don't. Yeah, have you to, just have to you have to go out there and do else. it. Yeah, you just go out there and play it. Eventually, oh, look, there's a style there.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing about music too, is it's really about communication and connection. And and like you said, if you're too into your brain thinking about stuff, you kind of lose that in some way, right?
1: Yeah. And and there's nothing wrong with intellectual music that that is put together with some forethought and constructed in a way along the rules of music or bypassing Mm -hmm. the rules. That's cool. But when you perform it, you've got to own it. Right. If you're you're sitting there, you know, like robotically doing the parts though, in all fairness, that's art too.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. And there's also learning the gig. If you, if you get on a new gig, you got to learn the parts and then, but at some point yeah. you got to get past that. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's all art, even if it done robotically and with total thought yeah. and with no heart and no soul, it's still a form of doing art. And we sometimes we need to see the opposite end of the spectrum. Right. To, to get relative to where, the other side of the spectrum is
0: yeah yeah, and it's everybody has something to bring to the table. It's and you know people like different things, which is all good.
1: I believe so. I believe yeah. so. And as much as I uh, like, there's a lot of types of music that I don't really like and I don't listen to. I don't listen to country music really, but once yeah. in a while, I'll, I did a I did a recording with this girl named Hillary Klug, and she's mm-hmm. a clogger. Oh, with <laughs> hands on a board.
0: I think I want to see the
1: video. <laughs> she dances while she plays the violin. Oh. Just okay. a it keeps rhythm with her feet, but it's kind of a dance.
0: Right, it's right.
1: All Americana, total country. Yep. It's so charming and so endearing. Not, not my thing, but I. think yeah. She's fantastic, and I love it, and I can listen to it. Yeah. It's similar to, uh, uh, there's just a lot of types of music that I, that aren't my thing, but you you, know, you can find something about them.
0: Yeah, and you can appreciate the the passion and the, and the effort it took to make it happen. Right. I mean, even if you don't particularly yeah, it like always the style
1: there's always a long story behind how that came to be for everyone.
0: Yeah, true. So what's, what's the, um, looking forward to next year, hopefully we all get back to work uh, musically, but what what's coming up for you in the, in the near future?
1: Well, we're just about to finish a new Talus record. Oh, okay. Now, uh, Talus was, uh, that's the version of Talus that I left in 85 to go join Dave. Okay. And instead of like rewriting the songs better, and smarter because I know a lot more now than I did then. Sure. Yeah. Let's do it like we did it when we did it, and so we're doing exactly a little snapshot of what we did back in 1985. And, uh, awesome. And uh, from the heart and for real. Right. And uh, it's it's really cool. It's shaping up for the, the drummer Mark Miller is as good as ever, and he was just one of the greatest drummers. Actually, Dave Roth flew him to L.A. Initially, to check him out on drums, he he had come to see Talos a couple times. Sure, after I had that first meeting with him, we went again on tour. Right, and so unfortunately, Mark was—he was a—he got married, and his wife was going to have a baby, and he just wasn't in. Yeah, timing was wrong. Um,
0: That's that's exciting, actually. I'm sure there's a lot of Talos fans out there that are are excited to gonna to get that when it gets out.
1: Well, we're doing all songs that we never really recorded in the studio. Some we did. Uh I'm a live live speed on Ice Record. But okay. uh, they're never recorded for real in the studio. So they're all all those songs and all the songs from our live set, which we never recorded. Right. Uh, so, uh, it's it's uh but it's kind of just a snapshot of the way we left it back when we did.
0: What's going on with the uh, the winery dogs, which is which is a band I love. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> it's you, so good I love that
1: band too. I love so playing good. with Andy. I love playing with Mike and uh I love those songs. Yeah. And it's a vocal band, too. All three of us are singing, which is great. Uh, hoping to be able to get together and start writing very soon. And that was the plan. Mm-hmm. The plan was initially we're going to continue on with Sons of Apollo through this year, okay. up to about the summer or fall.
0: Right. Also an awesome project. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I love that band also. Uh, Derek, Ron, Bumblefoot, uh, Jessica Soto, myself and Mike. It's a joy to play with those yeah. guys. Really great, so uh, and Richie was going to continue on because he had his 50 year anniversary, 50th birthday, uh, 50th birthday, uh, record 50 for 50. Wrote 50 songs. (laughs) Cool, I remember he called me about at Song 3D. He goes, I don't don't know if I got it anymore. He did, he pulled it off and actually really wrote songs so he didn't like pick up old demos and try to redo them.
0: You know, the thing about him that he's another one of those guys, as soon as you hear him, you know, it's him. He has a very unique thing playing wise and singing. It's, it's
1: Super killer. Star. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I know few guys that play and sing yeah, as Yeah, well. man.
0: It's so, so, so uh, soulful And you guys at uh, that combination of the three of you all have like your own unique flavor, right?
1: Yeah. The winery dogs are really, really nice. Things. So that was the plan. And Richie was going to finish like around the end of the summer or the fall. And we're all going to get together. So now Richie mm-hmm. couldn't tour at all for his 50 for 50. Right. Winery dogs had to stop. Uh, our fourth show into the European tour, we had to turn around. Oh, wow. Okay. So everybody's out of biz. And right. uh, so hopefully uh, we can start writing with the winery doc soon. I can, mm-hmm. There's no guarantees, but that's what, that's what we're shooting for. Yeah. And I hope to maybe cut, cut a couple of tracks in the meantime to, as a placeholder for Sons of Apollo, if that's possible. Right. See what happens. But I'm, I'm up for anything and everything. So, we'll, yeah, it'd be awesome. To
0: maybe maybe some kind of a live stream show with them would be fun, too. I mean, I, it seems like that's been the thing lately is, is
1: trying yeah. to put all that together. I'd love to do it. I'd love to do it. So it's okay. I,
0: it was I came up with the idea. <laughs> I'm sure it's been suggested, but uh, I think that that's you know, that's been I mean, I guess that's been a savior for some people just being able to get their music out there. But the live stream thing with the Internet, I mean, otherwise it would be there wouldn't be much going on. Right.
1: Yeah, uh, as much trouble as the internet is sometimes, as we yeah. just yeah, <laughs> yeah, the
0: Zoom, the Zoom, Zoom. Phone.
1: Well, Zoom is, uh really taken off. It's uh, yeah,
0: actually, you know what? I mean, the thing about it is, like, I, I have a studio here that I use in Vegas for podcasting, but this is so much uh, more convenient. Um, and for also for people like you, which like you know, you're, unless you came to Vegas, I wouldn't be able to really access you. It would have to be by phone. So it's nice to have the option with
1: yeah, video and. We come in town for a show. There is no spare time. I know exactly, right? Yeah, get, get into the venue at noon, start warming up, blah blah blah. Sound yeah. check. Maybe eat. I hate eating before I go on stage. Yeah, get down too, to the yeah. shows. Say goodbye, to everybody. Just pack up, get on the bus, and go. <laughs> I, say, yeah, next time you're in, uh, you know, yeah. uh, Boise, stop over, and they, yeah, stop over. And, and, I know. Yeah. Uh,
0: I know, then you're like running from especially if you have a tight tour where you're running from day to date, it's like, yeah, you just want to like yeah. go back to the best of okay. sleep.
1: <laughs> we get all kinds of invitations. Yeah, you well, swing by when you're on tour. swing by. There's no swinging anywhere, bro. We gotta we gotta go from one gig to the other. <laughs> yeah. That's how it works. It's, yeah, awesome.
0: Well, um, tell people how they can find you online. I know you've got your website, right?
1: Yeah, that's really It's just kind of a placeholder. Mm-hmm. My my you can click email me there and it comes to me. Okay. I think it's got a link to my Facebook and all this stuff but it's just kind of because no it's not so much a website thing it's mostly Facebook Instagram sure Twitter.
0: yeah that seems to be the I mean that's the I mean we actually trade messages on on uh, on Facebook periodically yeah. and uh it's interesting because you can, what's that
1: sorry talking, that's why this isn't happening.
0: <laughs> exactly yeah and it's it's cool because now i mean i'm in touch with a lot of people that you'd never think you would normally be in touch with leland and marcus and all these guys that right. it, way back when you wouldn't be able to really get a hold of them. you have to go through managers you know
1: yeah i like the no manager thing matter yeah. of fact uh the only thing is hard for sometimes is setting up interviews because sure. people sure. like i know you so it, it, and you caught me at a good time so yeah. uh but sometimes people write to me hey can you do an interview yeah and yeah when i go you tell me right well, yeah and then i and then i don't have a publicist texting me going you got an interview in five minutes you got to do it so in the meantime i'm recording and doing stuff and the next thing you know i'll get a, a message so, so are you there and i go i'm not even home what oh the interview i forgot you know, yeah, I yeah so coordinated help so i, I i've made many I had to make many apologies for forgetting <laughs> but um, i try I, I try to try to write it all down on my my lengthy to-do list. Here. Yeah.
0: You know what? It's funny because I have lists. I email myself all day long trying to like, oh, I remember right. this. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, uh, for doing this. I really appreciate it. And I think um, oh, it's my it's- pleasure. It's awesome. Um, you know, you have such a influence and, and have been an influential player for so many years. And I think it's awesome that, you know, and also when, when we have met in person, like Bass Player Live in LA, um, you have such a great spirit and you could tell that you still have a passion for what you do, which I think is really awesome and exciting. Nice. Yeah,
1: I, 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 that's my, the gift I'm most grateful for is the fact that I, I love doing it. And I'll sit down here in my studio, down in my man cave and for hours and hours, and in the garage, I got my little amp set up. So I turn awesome. it down play and play yeah. up there and feed the chipmunks. So it just <laughs> a, lot, a lot of playing, a lot of playing, and yeah. a lot of my iTunes is over two terabytes of music. And
0: great,
1: it's a it's, it's a great thing. I'm yeah. I'm grateful for a lot, but the, just the fact that I that I still en- enjoy it, it's still exciting to me. Right, also, I get my iPhone and. We'll set it up in a, a selfie video yep. and I'm working on something. I'll set it down and explain into, okay, the, the chorus is right here. And then it goes in, you know, and so I got it. Yeah. thousands of songs, snippets and licks. And
0: that's awesome. It's, yeah. it's great. Like I said, like having, you, know, you can feel your passion, which I think is awesome. And that's, that's something that I think hopefully we all strive to whatever you do, if it's
1: music if it's art or whatever it is yeah. that's you,
0: yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining joining me, Billy. I oh, appreciate
1: my it. My pleasure. Um, every, I'm sorry. Good to, good to speak with you again, and uh, let's stay in touch. And whatever else you might need from me, uh, you know how to get in touch. Awesome. And anyone thank else you. wants to get in touch, just so they know, on Facebook with a little blue check mark verified. Right. On, uh, Instagram, I think I'm verified there too, and Twitter mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. You write to me, I get it, I see it. It's not somebody else, and I, I, I answer almost everything. When it right gargantuan task. And I'm very, very grateful that people are kind enough to get in touch with me. So it's at least I can do it at least by a thumbs up back or a thank you back. So if anybody wants to get in touch, uh, please do.
0: Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Billy. I really appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. We'll see you very soon. All right. Ciao. Bye.
0: Thanks for joining us. And please consider subscribing to our podcast and follow us on our social media pages for
1: guest announcements.